Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up show, BFW's weekly show where we hit on all of the biggest news of the week. Man, can you think of a week that has been more crazy than this? Bayern Munich sputters to its third straight loss. The club denies it's going to sack Thomas Tuchel. A couple of days later, we find out that they have mutually agreed to part ways after the season. Again, a ludicrous decision, but... You've got all that going on. You've got rumors of locker room schisms. You've got the Tuchel side. You've got the anti-Tuchel side. You've got Joshua Kimmich losing his mind at assistant coach. This has been an absolutely crazy week, maybe even more so than most weeks around here, which are always a little bit nutty. So let's get right into it. Let's dive into the biggest news. And if you listen to the emergency podcast that we did, you got all of my thoughts on why this move for Thomas Tuchel right now doesn't make any sense for anyone. Uh, In some cases, there is a legitimate reason why you would want to keep a coach around to just finish out a season. Say the coach has a good relationship with the locker room, say that the coach and the club executives are on the same page, that everyone is aligned and it's kumbaya and everyone's happy. This is not the case. Half of the locker room, if you believe reports, doesn't really like Tuchel. They don't respect Tuchel at this point, and and they want him gone. You might have another half of the locker room that is supporting Tuchel, but guess what? He's leaving, so it doesn't matter if you support him or not. What this all brings together is a combustible mix of nonsense, and you cannot, you absolutely cannot, think about getting back into the race for the Bundesliga or even making any kind of noise in the Champions League when you've got this much discontent brewing in that locker room. Bayern Munich needs to end the relationship with Thomas Tuchel right now. And I think when we look at the match this weekend against RB Leipzig, it's going to tell everyone a lot. If Bayern Munich can rally itself and find a way to compete with RB Leipzig and beat RB Leipzig, there's going to be a glimmer of hope. And, and, and that would mean that the players have decided to put this on their shoulders and take over, that they've now been freed of this weight that is Thomas Tuchel's coaching tenure, and that they're going to be able to make this a player-run ship for the rest of the season. However, if Bayern Munich goes out and gets its doors blown off again this weekend, it's going to tell us that the club is doing immeasurable damage to whatever culture it has left and that it's ruining this season. And like I said on the emergency pod, quite frankly, just punting the season. So like it or not, this is the Super Bowl for Bayern Munich because they need to show what kind of team they're going to be. Are they going to be a team that rallies now that they know Tuchel's leaving and they're going to try and make the best of it? Or are things so bad right now? Things are so fractured. 
that the team can't focus and get back on the same page enough to find a way to get past RB Leipzig. And that result is absolutely going to tell us everything we need to know. And if Byron does get blown out, the board, not the players, not the coach, should be in the crosshairs of fans because they are the ones that have made this decision. They have made the, the call to let Tuchel finish this season out. And I, I still, even days later, I can't fathom why this is even an option. It doesn't make any sense to me. It would only make sense if there was harmony, if there things were trending in the right direction. When, when Pep Guardiola knew he was leaving, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like anywhere near this level. And certainly he didn't leave because of poor performance or because the club was actively looking to get rid of him. His time had just come. There was a way for him to handle it professionally. The team was still responding to him. And the team was able to finish the season in a reasonably good manner, all things considered. However, this situation here is nothing like that. This is a bad spot for the team to be in. It's a bad spot for the coach to be in. I mean, if you're Tuchel, you know you've had conflict with players. You knew, you know a lot of them aren't going to respond to what you're telling them. And now they have even less incentive to do that. How is it a winning situation for anyone here? I don't get it. I don't understand. You have FC Barcelona who seems willing to take Tuchel on at the end of the season. Why not just let him go? If that's what his future holds, just let him go now. Let him get started in planning and what he wants to do with FC Barcelona. I mean, listen, I'm just shooting from the hip on that when we've seen the rumors linking him. But I'll tell you what, if he does move to FC Barcelona, there are going to be a lot of people that are owed an apology from Bayern Munich because Tuchel, you know, of course, came out with his own stern response. The club had a stern response. Didi Haman got slaughtered by everyone by saying it was disrespectful for Tuchel to be talking about FC Barcelona. But what if, just hear me out, Tuchel really was already planning to move to FC Barcelona. Maybe Didi Haman was on to something. Maybe fans who, who looked at Tuchel's quotes about Barca and thought, man, that doesn't smell right. Maybe they were all on to something. At this point, you could really argue, considering that Tuchel was linked to Barca just days after Xavi decided to end his own tenure after the season as coach of FC Barcelona, given that it was hours and just days that Tuchel became linked to that, to Barca. It's not crazy to think that Tuchel lost focus and maybe in his mind already made up the decision that he was going to pursue that gig. Maybe that's where this all went wrong. I don't know. Quite frankly, I'm just speculating, but it would not shock me if he became so enthralled with the idea of coaching in Spain that he decided that's what his next move would be. And, and that is kind of where this went all off the rails for him. Now, again, just speculation, but if it happens, I'm going to say this, all Byron's tough talk and, and their tough stance with fans and Didi Haman and pundits and whatever I don't want to hear it anymore, okay? I, I don't want to see that kind of response, even though maybe that's the kind of backing that every coach or player wants. Where's that backing been for the players that Tuchel's been screwing over for the better part of this season? No, they decided to make a big public 
statement about Didi Haman, who honestly pundit people listen to him, but like he was obviously speaking from emotion at that point. And maybe his emotion was actually right on point. Maybe Tuchel was already letting his mind wander about what a future with FC Barcelona might hold. So you've got all of this circulating around and Bayern Munich supposed to go out and play a match on Saturday against a very good Leipzig team who maybe hasn't had the best results or been as good as it possibly could be this season, but is trending in the right direction right now. You expect this team to go out, put all of this behind it and focus on a win. I don't know if it's going to be possible. I'm thinking right now that this is a very tough spot for Bayern Munich, given everything that's going on around it. If you want me to be totally optimistic and take the most optimistic approach, all I can say is you have to hope that the players own it and decide they are calling the shots and running the ship from this point forward. Otherwise, I would expect to see more of the disarray that we all have become accustomed to in recent weeks. But when we talk about the coaching situation, we often have to look at those candidates. And during the emergency podcast, I threw out the names that had been out there. Most The, the names most referenced have been Hansi Flick and Xavi Alonso. But over the last couple of days, those names still are in the mix by far. But we have seen a couple of others emerge. And Sebastian Honus and Zinedine Zidane are two that have really emerged as legit possibilities. Now, I think we all know at this point, Xavi Alonso is the number one choice. Bayern really wants him, and there are a lot of reasons for that. The job that he's done for Bayer Leverkusen is top-notch. He has turned that team from one that was nearing relegation to an undefeated season. It, it is incredible the work that he has done there. However, going to Bayern Munich at this time is, is, a, tough, is a tough, tough task for anyone. And I want to think about something that our guy at BFW, Philip Quinn, who doesn't do really much writing anymore, but still has some good thoughts on Bayern Munich. And he was a little wary of Xavi Alonso. And not because of the results that Alonso has had, not because of what he might do, but it's because Bayern has really been unable to provide the kind of stable environment that a, a coach like Xavi Alonso would need it's not a one-year turnaround with Alonso you would be looking at a project again and what do we know about Bayern Munich and its projects it doesn't have the patience to let them play out as we saw with Julian Nagelsmann as we've seen with Thomas Tuchel and listen Tuchel he he dug his own grave if you ask me but he also was one with a vision one that was going to come in and put the roster in his own mind and, and and get his idea of what Bayern Munich should be out there lasted less than a year. Nagelsmann a year and what a half year and a half. It's not, it's not a stable environment for a coach that's going to need time. And that's is a valid concern in my mind. And I'm glad that Phil brought that up. Now, all things considered and how, you know, I totally respect Phil's opinion. I think Alonzo might be the outlier here. I think that because of his professional background, the level that he played out, the ideas that he has, he might be the person that can break through and actually establish change at Bayern Munich without disrupting the current squad and also giving, uh, uh, convincing the board to allow him to have that time to let it all play out. So I think Alonso is probably the smartest choice. I don't know if he's the safest choice, 
but he is probably the one that really could make the longest lasting impact at Bayern Munich. What worries me about Hansi Flick, and I have said this many times before, I think he has lost a little bit of touch with the game and how to relate to players. And we saw that, and I always go back to this, and because it was, it really does, uh, it really does affect me <laughs> when I when I assess how a coach relates to players and his communication. But that Amazon documentary told me so much about how players view Flick now, and how he relates them because he couldn't control that German national team, a German national team that absolutely needed him players that he called back specifically to bring, to bring back, to be part of a new culture that he was trying to establish. They totally disrespected him. They disrespected him by being late to meetings. They disrespected him by challenging his tactics in meetings. I don't think at this point, Hansi Flick is quite ready to take a big high profile job again because I think the minute things go wrong, there's the potential he's going to lose the locker room. There's going to be the potential that everyone is going to question, does he have the ability to do this anymore? I think that Flick would need a little bit more time before he comes back to Bayern Munich, if he ever does, than coming back this summer. And, and I am a massive Flick guy. When he What he did in 2020 should never be forgotten. The impact that he made, how he changed that team's mindset and culture, how he got everyone aligned, the moves that he had input in and, and the ones that were made, everything made sense. Everything tied together perfectly. And even his follow-up season, if not for that injury to Robert Lewandowski, I have no doubt in my mind that they take down PSG in the Champions League. I have zero doubt about that. And I, here's what I'll tell you. I wouldn't doubt they would have won the Champions League that year. It was bad luck, if anything. And, and part of me really wants to, to go back and think about, you know, what would have happened had things continued onward and we had not had that flick browser war. But it happened. We can't go back. And even now, with an opportunity to bring him back on his own terms and let him do what he was doing to finish that project, I just don't know if it's the right time. And it pains me to say that, because I really like Flick, and I think at his best, he can get the most out of this team. But I don't know if we're going to get Hansi Flick at his best if he comes back. And that really, really worries me. When you look at Sebastian Honus and everything that he has done, a tremendous job at Stuttgart. I mean, how he's gotten that club to the level he has is amazing. But you can't ignore that he scuffled through things at Hoffenheim. There were rumors that there was discontent in the locker room with Honus at that point. He clearly is a guy who has players that he likes and wants to bring them with him. He's got a lot of input. The other problem with Honus it probably sits with the puppet master himself. Do you really want to get in a spot where nepotism could be considered an issue? And that's a, that is a, a legitimate case right now. It's something that could be said. It can cause discontent in the locker room. And I think it would really neuter the ability of other board members, maybe like someone like Max Eberl or Christoph Freund to come in and do the job that they need to do because they might always be worrying about where information is going, who's finding out, who's providing influence over decisions. I just don't know if it's a situation that anyone wants to be involved in at this point where you bring in Uli Honus's nephew 
to come in and run the team at a time where Uli, who is supposed to be backing away from his duties, seems to be having a lot of influence still to this day. And that brings us to Zindine Zidane, who, if you ask some people, he might be learning German, he might not. Nobody knows for sure. Can he manage? Absolutely. I think he would be a good fit at this point. The team needs a veteran coach. And I know he doesn't have a great amount of experience. We all know his time at Real Madrid. But we know his experience as a coach. Is, it's not like he's got you know a decade under his belt. But what we do know about Zidane is his playing career and how he's considered and revered by the players. That can sometimes overcome a total lack of a massive coaching resume. Now with Zidane, it's very interesting because while he might make the most sense at this point to bring in and try and salvage the group that you have in the locker room, he also has very distinct ideas for how he wants to play, what kind of players he likes. And it's almost similar to Tuchel in how he had these ideas about players and he could only work with certain kind of players and only certain kind of players fit his system. I'm a little worried that Zidane would have that similar effect and we'd be going through all of this again in a year. So who is the, who is the best choice? Who is the best answer for who should coach Bayern Munich next? At this point, if you put a gun to my head, I'm going to say Xavi Alonso, even though he probably comes with a 15 to 20 million euro release clause. So it's not ideal. Nothing about this is ideal. If you want to go back and blame this all on the Flick Brazo war and things should have never happened, I'm okay with that. If you want to say that Julian Nagelsmann should have never been fired, I'm okay with that too. I think they gave up on him too early. I said it at the time. However, the situation is what it is. Bayern Munich now is in search of another coach. Who is it going to be? We don't know. But at this point, what we can say is whoever they select is going to have a massive influence on the immediate future of this club and, and, and also the long-term future because I don't think the club can take another short-term mess like they have had under Nagelsmann and Tuchel. And I don't fault Nagelsmann for the mess. He was working towards something. He was told he had five years to do something. He got robbed of that time. Tuchel, on the other hand, wanted to come in and blow it up right away. I put all the fault on him for that. I don't blame the front office. I don't even blame the players. I blame Tuchel for what he did there. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We're going to look at the futures of a couple of Bayern Munich players who absolutely find their own careers in a tough spot. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Weekend Warm-Up Podcast. This is Chuck Smith. Thanks for hanging in there after that commercial break. Oh, man. There's a lot going on, isn't there? <laughs> but one thing I did want to focus on was the recent rumors we have heard about some of the players who were, at one point, these guys were considered core players to what Bayern Munich is going to do in the future. And those players are Joshua Kimmich, Leroy Sané, Leon Goretzka, and Serge Gnabry. Imagine that quartet was going to be the heart and soul of Bayern Munich moving forward. When Thomas Muller and Robert Lewandowski and Manuel Neuer, when they were all ready to pass the baton, it was going to be that quartet who was supposed to pick it up and lead the club into the future. Unfortunately, all of those players right now have questionable futures at Bayern Munich. Let's start with Kimmich because he is the one who I think is most aligned 
with what happens with Tuchel. Now that we know that Tuchel is off to FC Barcelona, Kimmich might have a better standing and a better chance to make it at the club. And I did a long piece just this week for BFW kind of projecting what the roster could look like going in the next season. And I had a lot of thoughts, especially on these players. Joshua Kimmich, to me, is a player that the club is absolutely tied to in so many ways. They invested in him financially and emotionally. He was supposed to be the next captain. He was supposed to be the leader of the team. Now, though, after this time with Tuchel, Kimmich's whole standing has gone down the tubes. We can't figure out where he stands, what the club thinks of him, and now it's actually do or die time for him. Reports have been circulating that, that Kimmich could be a player that's on the hot seat. So what do you think about Kimmich? Where does he stand? How will this play out for him? I don't think he's going anywhere just yet. I know there are a lot of rumors linking him to other clubs, but I think with Tuchel leaving, it just cements the fact that Kimmich is probably going to have a longer stay and might even extend his contract. So for Kimmich, I think he's going to stay where he's at. Leroy Zane, that is a different situation. Zane has been someone who has been very tied to Tuchel. In fact, you could argue that Tuchel ruined Zane's season by running him into the ground. However, Zane is a player that is very valued at Bayern Munich. He is someone who they spent a year and a half pursuing. They pay him a lot of money. They really love Leroy Zane. Now, what fans, I think, feel about Zane is I think most respect his talent, most respect his ability, and people loved how he played in the Hinrunda. But as we have seen far too many times during his tenure with Bayern Munich, he falls off a cliff. Things don't go well. He seems to get into these slumps that it's hard to get out of. Now, Zane, I don't think he is actively looking to leave Bayern Munich. I don't think Tuchel's decision to part ways with Bayern Munich is going to affect Zane. But I think Zane has one thing going for him in Bavaria that, that many people aren't accounting for, and that's his family's extremely happy there. And at this point in his life, he's in his late 20s. He's You don't want to say he's in the twilight of his career because he's probably got another decade left if he wants to play that long. But he absolutely is, is someone who has to make a very important decision at this point. Does he sign this next deal with Bayern Munich or does he move on? With his family maybe pushing him to stay, I think Zane is a player that Bayern Munich will look very closely at and be very eager to re-up. However, I don't think he's going to have quite the standing that he's had in the past couple of years was where he was an unquestioned starter, someone who was not really going to ever be in jeopardy of losing his starting role. I think moving forward, Bayern Munich will re-up him. I think they will give him opportunities, but I think if he falls into these ruts like he has been prone to do, I think that whoever the next coach will be will have options and will use those options. I think Zane is going to have to work a lot harder to stay in the lineup. Leon Goretzka, he has been linked to Juventus and some other clubs, but he is a guy who I think has gotten a really raw deal this season because I don't think he's been bad for Bayern Munich. I don't think, you know, listen, I've said it from the beginning. When your coach doesn't want you and doesn't believe in you and only uses you because he has no other better options, it's a tough way to play. It's a tough mentality to have. You have to fight through it. You have to maintain positivity. It's not easy, but I think Goretzka has handled it pretty well, all things considered. Now, 
given the situation in the club, there has to be some turnover. Goretzka, by all accounts, wants to stay at Bayern Munich. Even through all of the BS that he's been put through this season, he wants to stay. But now, I think the club is in a spot where it's going to have to look at its midfield. They're going to have to start making some changes. And unfortunately, if you're a Leon Goretzka fan, you might find that he is going to be among the players who could be out this summer because there does need to be some change. Would I keep Goretzka? I think I would. And I think there is still a lot that he has to offer. But I understand that culturally right now, Bayern Munich has to do something to shake things up. I don't think that they can come back with the same group. I don't think that the next coach coming in is going to want the same exact group. And that's all part of the club's evolution, all part of how things change. So Goretzka, I'm not so sure, will be back. As for Serge Gnabry, I think he will be gone. I think Gnabry is a player who has tremendous ability. He can do so many things. He's a great attacker, but very much like Leroy Zane, falls into these slumps that it just seems impossible to get him out of. He's battled some injuries this year. He's really been a non-factor for the team. It's probably the right time for the club to cut ties with him and move on. Now, I say that as someone who actually likes Gnabry and likes his game. I know there are a lot of critics out there of him, but it's a situation where Gnabry probably needs a fresh start. He had a rough go under Tuchel, wasn't always a first-choice selection under Julian Nagelsmann. And I think that all of the goodwill and good energy that he brought under Hansi Flick, is it's just not there at this point. And maybe when he comes back from his most recent injury, he can find that that knack and that magic that he had for big moments, and that will help his case. But I do think Bayern Munich, as part of this changing of the guard and changing of culture, they have to get rid of some players. And I think Gnabry, just given how things have played out this season, I think that's how it's going to go. One final thought on Bayern's roster moves, and this could tie to Xavi Alonso and what he does, or it might not. But we did see rumors this week that Bayern Munich is going to pass on Florian Wirtz. Now, we've talked about Wirtz a lot, and Wirtz is obviously Germany's top young player, depending on you know your own opinion. You might consider Musiala as that, that was holding that mantle. But Wirtz is a guy who has emerged onto the European footballing scene this season. Now, if you have followed the Bundesliga, you've obviously known about him. Bayern's been linked to him for about three years. This is a situation where Wirtz will make the decision on his own when he wants to leave. And by everything we've heard, he's gotten good advice from his family. He's in a very stable environment at Leverkusen. Everything is working out perfectly. And when he's ready to move, it seems like he'll make that move. Everything we've heard so far this season is that Verts is not yet ready to make that plunge, that even though there will be suitors calling to give Leverkusen nine figures for him, he's probably not going anywhere. Leverkusen, in turn, is not been eager to sell to any of its direct competitors, so Bayern Munich could be out of luck. But money talks, and should Xavi Alonso leave this summer, given his connection to Verts, it would be very interesting to see what Bayern Munich would do. Now, one of the stories that we saw this week was that Bayern is not interested in Verts because they have so much depth at the 10 position. Uh, you look at players like Jamal Musiala, Thomas Muller, even Gnabry can play the 10 Leroy Zane has been used as a 10. Paul Vonner is supposed to be the future at the position. Aryan Ibrahimovic has been used mostly as a winger, but he did spend some time in his youth playing as the 10. There are a lot of good options, both young and old, to play the 10 at Bayern Munich. 
I mean, we've even seen Thomas Tuchel use Eric Maxim Chupo Moting there. Anything can happen. And with Verts, it doesn't make sense, you would think, for Bayern to go out and spend nine figures on someone at a position where it's so well-stocked. But Verts is labeled as a generational player, someone who is going to lead whatever club he goes to for the next generation. He's going to be a, a staple on the German national team. And he could be the best young player in Germany right now. Now, this is where it gets interesting because you have the whole Jamal Musiala conundrum. And what do you do if you had both players? Well, Musiala, at this point, his future with Bayern Munich is completely unknown. We've seen him linked to other clubs. It seems like he wants to stay at Bayern Munich, but who knows? We don't know how attached he was to Tuchel. We don't know if the next coach that comes in is going to make Musiala a guaranteed starter like Nagelsmann did during his last campaign and how Tuchel has handled it this season. Now, I've always theorized that the club is acting in fear of Musiala. They want to keep him happy because clearly if they don't keep him happy, he will have a million different options that he can jump to. I don't know if that's right. Maybe it's just me being crazy thinking about things too much, but Musiala is not exactly cemented in what he will do next. And yes, he's got a couple of more years left on his deal, but I'm very interested to see what happens with Verts. And I don't really expect him to move on no matter what happens with Alonso this summer, but that summer of 2025, that could be very, very interesting for both Bayern Munich and Florian Verts. Because at that point, I think they'll have an idea of what Musiala's next plan, his plans are for his next steps. If he's going to re-up with Bayern or if he's going to move on, maybe go back to the Premier League or go to, down to Spain and see if he would like to ply his career there. We don't know yet. But I would expect that Bayern will at least kick the tires on Verts this summer, no matter what they've said and what reports say. I would think next summer, though, in 2025, is when if Byron is seriously going to pursue Verts, it will happen. What, what, what would happen if you had both players? I don't know. I don't know how you can make Verts and Musiala work together. I don't I can't foresee it. Maybe I'm a pessimist, but the brief period we saw with Germany didn't work out. Verts, of course, has not been great for Germany. You could really argue Musiala has not been either. But either way, it will be very, very interesting come this summer to see what kind of stories develop and also in 2025 because if Byron does hire Xavi Alonso in 2024 it's going to give him a full year to get his feet down settle himself in and then maybe bring in one of his best players from Leverkusen so that would be a, a very interesting scenario to watch play out but 2025 really could be the time that if Bayern Munich is ever going to make a move for Verts that it happens I'm going to take one final break, and then we're going to come back with some thoughts in the entertainment rundown uh, on True Detective. Uh, you could probably get by my tone. I was not impressed with that season finale. And also, it's just some brief thoughts on Curb Your Enthusiasm. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Weekend Warm-Up Podcast. This is Chuck Smith. Thanks for hanging in there through the first two segments of the show. Uh, I want to dive right into this, and I don't want to take a lot of time. If you were like me, you watched the season finale, season four of True Detective, and you came away thoroughly disappointed. Now, I know this has become a very popular thing on social media to just basically uh, rip anyone who doesn't think True Detective was good this season. What I will say, I was in the entire season, and I was enthusiastic about the season, and I 
had questions about things and I was very leery of some parts of it, but I stayed optimistic and I did enjoy most of the episodes. Specifically, number three, I thought was not good. I thought it did pick up a little bit in episode four, but I, I had my doubts. Even though I was enjoying it and I was optimistic, there were a lot of red flags. A couple of things about the finale. One, I didn't even realize that episode six was the finale. I, I actually can't believe it was that short of a season. So I felt like there was so much more of this story left to play out and so much more to tell, but it all kind of got cluster effed together and thrown into one final episode where it just missed the mark. It wasn't that good. The intrigue that was there about Clark going missing, about how the scientists ended up frozen, how uh, the, the, the original murder went down, how it happened. We got answers to all of it, but quite frankly, they were terrible plot lines. I mean, it was not good writing. I thought the show really went off the rails in that last episode. And it was very disappointing because when you have Jodie Foster around, you have actor and actor like John Hawks, who was heavily involved. There was no real fallout from a, a son shooting his dad. It, it, I couldn't get over that part of it. I couldn't get over how they just rushed things together and that, I, I don't know the, the final plot points of scientists losing their mind because their work was going to be compromised or damaged and killing. So the whole thing made no sense. It was poor writing. It was poor development. It was a terrible way to wrap up a show that had promise. I was very disappointed. I guess that makes me a bad guy according to the internet, but I just come up here and I say what I feel. I felt for the majority of the season that I was enjoying the show. I felt like, though, that there needed to be a payoff with it, that there needed to be some way to tie it all together in an intriguing, sensical way. But what they did was just make it a whole crock of nonsense. I, I couldn't have disliked the season finale more. It took away from the entire season. I'll still put it a notch above season two in True Detective lore because season two was an utter train wreck from start to finish. But I, I do worry that this series has lost its way completely as someone who enjoyed season three and who, someone who still raves about, about season one, I, I'm all in whenever they produce a show, but this has given me some major doubt uh, sort of reminds me of the walking dead in ways that they just couldn't, couldn't keep it right. They couldn't keep it together. Too many episodes that went nowhere and just plot lines that, that would take nonsensical turns and really didn't give you that payoff that you wanted. I don't know what I wanted to see in the finale, but I felt like it wasn't what I got. And I guess that's the best way to say it. So very disappointed with that. Uh, if you have not watched true detective, but you've been following along here, I'll be honest. Don't waste your time. It, it doesn't give you the payoff that you want. So I guess that's about all I have to say on that. Uh, as for curb your enthusiasm, I'll make it quick. They did get Curb back to its roots. They put it back in Los Angeles. You get Larry having ball sack humor. Golf was involved. You heard, you saw some multiple storylines that all intersected at the end. It was a really crazy way to do it, uh, but it got Curb back on track. I did like episode two because you could see that it was building back to Curb normalcy. Episode one, I thought, was not good. But episode three got it back, and I expect things will be much more smooth moving forward. We're starting to see how the storylines from episode one are carrying through and 
interwoven into what happens in Larry's day-to-day dealings with people, which are always the best parts of the show. So enthusiastic. I am very enthusiastic about the rest of the season of Curb. So uh, yeah, listen, I've already predicted what I think will happen. I think we're going to get the Seinfeld ending all over again, which I don't know how I'll feel about. I just hope it plays out that if it does play out that way, that it's done better than what the Seinfeld finale amounted to. But Curb has made some strides in the right direction, so I'm happy with that. Thumbs down on True Detective, thumbs up on Curb. Would love to hear what you thought about the ongoing situations with those two shows. But, uh, man, I I can't get over it. I'm just disappointed in True Detective. <laughs> with all, everything that's going on with Bayern Munich, you, you know, listen, it's tough to watch at times. You want that release from the day-to-day grind with Bayern, so you go and you watch a show like True Detective. And then when that disappoints you, Man, that is tough to take. So uh, hopefully you guys will be able to give me your opinions on how the show played out with True Detective and what you might think about Curb moving forward as well. That'll wrap up this edition of the Weekend Warm-Up Show. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our Tweetmeister, Tom Adams, at TommyAdams71. And you can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. And get all of our great podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We will have all of the coverage of the RBA Leipzig match and much, much more. We will also be following Bayern Munich's search for a new coach very closely. So stick with us at BFW. We've got you covered on all of your news for Bayern Munich and Germany. Have a couple of beers on me. Enjoy the match this weekend, and we will see you next time. <laughs>